Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly, everyone. Here's what you missed last time. Previously on The Magicians. Quitting cold water for the grad school interview. Well, he's dead. I think he left something for you. You may address me as Dean. Your only job is to pass the examination before you. Regrettably, you failed the written exam. Do not get something! I need you to tell them they were wrong about me. I can do whatever I want to you. Awesome. Oh, you thought the school is the only place to track the gift? We've been watching you for quite a while now. What does that mean? Okay, for some reason you're involved, so be involved. It says we need four people. Look, I gather you guys need some extra hands or something. Let us know if shit gets exciting. Went in cold water. There you are. All right. So, hi, everybody. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And this is the Physical Kids Weekly, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things magicians. Today, we'll be talking about episode two of the sci fi TV show. It's called The Source of Magic, and it aired on January 25th, 2016. Here's the Wikipedia synopsis. Professor Pearl investigates the Beast incident at Breakbills, and Quentin, Alice, Penny, and Katie face disciplinary action for their involvement in the Beast's attack. But Eliza, who is called in as a specialist, lets them go on probation. Julia meets Marina when she has to pass a test to join the Hedgewitches, and Katie is secretly working for Marina. Let's just start out with a little bit of discussion. What did you think of the episode, Danny? I don't think it's, like, the best episode. Yeah? I... There's moments I like that I enjoy a lot, but I think, like, say, like, rewatching it, I can skip through it a lot. Yeah, I can understand that. One thing that I was struck by watching it this time is, is that there really are, like, three distinct stories, because you get this, the sort of main story of um, the physical kids all bonding, and especially, like, Alice and Margot and Quentin and Elliot... There's a lot of Quentin and Elliot bonding, which I really, really like. Um, Then you have this second story that is Julia back in Brooklyn, finding out that magic is real, or having found out that magic is real and finding out that there's like a group of hedge witches who she can learn magic with and sort of give her a second chance at magic after being rejected by break bills. And then there's this third story, which is connected to both of the others, that is Katie and Penny trying to figure out what they want to do and what their role is and everything that just happened. So there's a lot going on, and that I think is both good and bad, like you said. Yeah, uh, the Elliot and Quentin moments are definitely where the episode shines. Julia's storyline, I think, bothers me the most, just the divergence of the Hedgewitch stories very different for me at first. Yeah, so say a little bit more about what you mean. Like, I I grew to like it, and I grew to like Marina, but I just, like, I couldn't stand her at first, mostly because she wasn't being herself, but I, I don't know. I just thought that whole them trying to get out was really boring. Yeah, so that, for, for those of you who are, haven't, maybe haven't seen the whole episode, one, go watch it. Like, don't be dumb. Go watch the episode. Uh, but I think what Danny's talking about is they're trapped in this freezer together. 
and they're supposed to escape somehow and um, like prove that they know how to do magic. Yes. And there's a lot that's going on there. I think you mentioned some of it. So Marina is sort of pretending that she is also like a new recruit when in fact she kind of runs the whole show. And so for most of the episode, it looks like Julia and Marina are in the same position and they've been locked in there in this fairly dangerous situation and and certainly annoying situation by Pete, who uh, we saw in the last episode. But yeah, I think I, I, I mean, I generally agree with you. There were some really strong moments, especially the bonding moments between Quentin and Elliot, but also like between the other kids at Break Bills. But Julia's storyline just kind of, it just feels like filler in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it, it's complete filler. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it in later episodes, but I just, there's some of the stuff with Julia's storyline and changing the hedge witches in general that I just didn't like. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. So let's talk about the fun stuff. What were your favorite moments from this episode? Well, every moment between Elliot and Quentin is very special. I also love the Alice and Margot moments just because it definitely spawned a ship for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Malice. The ship yeah, name is Malice. Malice for all of you who don't know that. <laughs> and it's There's, beautiful because it's exactly what is between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly true. They have a lot of malice between them. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of deep quotes that are kind of like hidden throughout the thing that I just, I think we all love. Yeah. So I think one of the ones we were talking about before we turned the mic on is this um, magic comes from pain moment where Quentin and Elliot are talking. So I'm going to play that clip really quickly, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you something deep and dark and personal now. Ready? Good. I killed someone. What? I was 14. He was this... He beat me up. So I'm walking on the street, eating a candy bar, because by then I already ate my feelings at a professional level, and I saw him crossing over. (laughs) And there was this bus coming. I barely thought the thought. Bam. I knew immediately what I'd done. It was me. My nose literally started bleeding. Logan Kinnear died instantly, and I ruined my favorite button-down. And that is the story of how I discovered I was telekinetic. If you're trying to tell me that it gets better... God, no, no, it doesn't. I'm trying to tell you, you are not alone here. Funny little irony they don't tell you. Magic doesn't come from talent. It comes from pain. Yeah, so... That's definitely one of the things that comes to mind for me when I think about like the deep moments in this show. And it's, it's something that really resonates with what is written in the books as well. I, I definitely don't mind that they gave Elliot that quote just because I love Elliot so much. But I think we should definitely point out that it's actually Dean Fogg that says it in the books. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and it has a very different feel coming from Elliot who... I mean, his relationship with Quentin is is complex in a lot of ways, but they're basically peers versus coming from Dean Fogg, who's like expounding and being very 
sort of lecturing the students, which is what is going on when he delivers this speech in the books. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's especially interesting because this is such a strong bonding moment for Elliot and Quentin, right? Like this whole story, Elliot's like, oh, I killed a man, or I guess I killed a person because he was 14 or whatever. And then it's like, oh yeah, magic comes from pain. It has a very different feel than Dean Fogg delivering a graduation speech and saying like, hmm, magic comes from pain. <laughs> Dean Fogg is just so much more of like a Dumbledore-ish character in the books. So, <laughs> Oh, really? You think? I, you know, I, I think I understand what you mean, but I don't see him as being very Dumbledore-ish at all because I see him as being so pompous. How about more like a Dumbledore in the movies versus like rather than the books? Like... Kind yeah. of kooky, but also really, like, serious. That's fair, and I sort of buy it. But I do think, like, it, in the books, he seems so pompous to me. And in the TV show, I feel like... I, I feel like there's some reality to to every urgency that he's bringing up. And it's it's less about, like, him and his ego and more about, like, actually having to save the world. Yeah. Dean Fogg's just, like, a completely different character, though. But I don't, I don't mind it at all. No, and I think, um, uh, what is the name of the actor who plays him? Do you know? It's Rick Worthy, I think? Yes, Rick Worthy, that's right. Um, I think he's fantastic. He is absolutely fantastic. I think a lot of people are familiar with him from Supernatural. Uh, I never got into that show. Yeah, and Supernatural, it's the same showrunner, right? It's um, also Sarah Gamble. Um, is it? I think I so. think so. I'm not positive, but I think if, so. If she did, then she left because she's just doing magicians now, from what I can tell. But yeah, I mean, that's a moment that I really like. And um, I agree with you that it's good that they gave that moment to, to Elliot instead of keeping it with Dean Fogg. I don't think it would have made sense given like how different Dean Fogg is in the books or in yeah. the movies or TV shows. Gosh. <laughs> um. One of the other things that I think is really interesting, though, is that for me, for me at least, Dean Fogg in the TV show kind of supersedes Dean Fogg in the books in a way that a lot of the other characters maybe don't. Well, he, like, doesn't have any connection to, like, Fillory or knowing anything that's going on with Fillory in, in the books. He's just no. kind of, like... Sort of clueless. He's just kind of there. And bumbling. <laughs> Yeah, he has, like, no idea about any of this, like, disciplines, like, different <laughs> disciplines and, and uh, t like, world traveling. He, he had no idea about any of that. Yeah, I think that's really true. But I do, I do find that, like, my conception of Fog now is mostly based on, on the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so some other cool moments... Oh, there's this great moment. So one of the things that happens in this episode is as they're investigating the beast, the beast attack, Professor Pearl figures out, well, she doesn't figure out, Penny tells her that it was Quentin, that like Quentin summoned the beast basically all by his lonesome. And then Professor Pearl says basically that she's going to kick him out. And there's this beautiful, beautiful moment between Quentin and Elliot afterward where again, like Elliot is sort of trying to console Quentin and has, you know, become his friend and really wants to sort of be there for him. And I think you know what moment I'm talking about, right, Danny? Yes, because it's definitely one of my favorite moments in it. Like I, I love everything there. Um, 
in that whole scene. <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's play the clip. I don't know, I keep trying to tell myself this is somehow better. You know, not to know. Because who would want to know that, 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 that magic exists if there's nothing you can do about it? You know, if there's no one to teach you or, or help you. I don't know what to say. Of course you don't, because nobody would rather not know. You don't see color and want to go back to black and white. You do not have to make me feel better. We really, we basically just met each other. Well, I bond fast. Time is an illusion. Look, don't go out there and be the old you. How, Elliot? I go back there and I'm a, I'm a depressed super nerd. How about I find you? And I don't say magic is real, but I do seduce you and so lift your spirits that life retains its sparkle for decades. Yeah, that sounds nice. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think um, pretty much every fan of the books and, and probably the fans of the TV show, even though they were just exposed to this character, collectively like screamed when Elliot said that. Yes, especially because... Everyone's just like, Quentin didn't, like, deny it. Like, no, <laughs> exactly. It's canon now. It is officially canon. <laughs> yeah. Quelliot forever. Yeah. There's a lot of really rich stuff that, I mean, aside from the seduction, which is amazing, and uh, which will, will give my life sparkle for decades or whatever it is he says. <laughs> um, I think, like, there's a lot of other stuff that's really rich in there where he's talking about how... I think what Quentin says really echoes the speech that Julia says, like Julia and Marina have this conversation in parallel where she's saying basically the same thing that like she found out because of her break bills test that magic is real. And now she's being expected to go back and and live her normal mundane life. And it's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. How could anyone expect you to do that? Yeah. I actually love the part where Quentin, uh, calls Julia. He ends up deleting the call, but yeah. he's basically apologizing. Like, how do you do it? Like, can you please tell me that magic is real um, when I get out there again? Yeah. I loved that call. I mean, it's kind of sad that he never actually sent the, the voicemail because yeah. then a lot of shit probably wouldn't have happened between them. Yeah, and I feel like Quentin and, I don't know, like Quentin and that phone booth have a pretty steady relationship in the early episodes of the first season. Cause right. That's his connection to home. So he calls, like he talks to James in the first episode and has a conversation about Julia. And he calls Julia in the second episode and deletes the call. And I think there's a few other times in the early episodes of the season of the first season where he's doing that, where he's making calls to the outside world and it yeah. just sort of, Right, like that's his that's his only connection, and it's there, but it seems mostly like a crutch for him in most of those moments. Like this is how he's dealing with really difficult emotional moments, but but it's he's dealing by not dealing. He's dealing by like trying to escape and trying to find some way to like be happy or to get back to where he was. Yeah. Because I think like he's realizing in each of those moments that magic and break bills isn't going to be enough. Yeah, I think he notices that earlier on in the episode too when he's talking to Elliot about like getting potentially getting kicked out. What What do you mean? Well, whole magic comes from pain speech. Like, 
yeah that whole thing like he notices like when he's like he's having a hard time admitting that his problems his depression yeah he's like oh i came from the hospital like i think he notices it as early as then oh yeah you're right and i think he says something too about how like um part of it is because he sort of felt like everything felt meaningless and if it was meaningless why go on yeah something along those lines and it's true. I think there's some there's some comment after that where he's talking about how like now this bad thing has happened. Like magic was this great thing for him, and now this bad thing has happened. Basically, almost immediately. It's kind of adorable, though. I like his all of his moments, especially with Elliot. Like they remind me of me when I tell somebody that I have depression. Like oh, the yeah. way they react. And I love that he's just like, please don't tell me that it gets better. He's oh, like, yeah. No, no. Yeah. And, and <laughs> he's Jason, like, no, 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 I'm not. Jason has some really, really good facial expressions in this episode, too. Um, there were a couple moments when, he, when he's talking to, when he's trying to talk to Alice about Fillory and she doesn't know anything about Fillory, where he'll just, like, he'll start talking and he'll have this, like, super sincere look on his face and, like, very serious. And all of a sudden he'll just sort of, like, light up and get really excited and then sort of fade back into that like he realizes that he's gotten too excited that like that's not really acceptable yeah um that that also like i identify with that uh, yeah. i get that really excited like oh blah 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 and i won't shut up or whatever <laughs> and then then i just go back to being like lightweight apathetic <laughs> yeah he has this like great intensity and then he sort of recognizes that it's not cool and I think one of the things that I really like about all the bonding moments with Elliot is that Quentin really is being his intense self. And Elliot is like, Elliot's entire persona is I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> like Elliot's persona yeah. is I'm too cool to care. But he's not in any of those moments with Quentin. No, he's showing his vulnerability. That's why I always tell everyone, I'm like, if he ever loved anybody, it's Quentin. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, I don't think we talked about this in the previous episode, but there is a a, a fairly um, well established fan theory that Elliot is aromantic. Uh yes. I mean, you want to talk more about that? I mean, you know how I feel about this. Uh, <laughs> I I always read him that way. The thing is, is, a lot of people just automatically assume that if you're aromantic, then you can't have love, and that's not true because there's platonic love. Yeah. It's just you don't have romantic love. But if he ever loved anyone, it was definitely Quentin. But yes, I always read him as aromantic, especially... Spoilers. Might have to beep that out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I th- and I agree with you too. Like, uh, that's how I read Elliot as well. He He's not asexual. These things are different. No. But he's... Yeah, he's definitely not asexual. But he's also... Nobody, nobody in this series is asexual. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, nobody's nobody's asexual. Hmm. <laughs> I think at least, I, I mean, I read at least three characters as aromantic. I read, okay, so I th- who are your three? My so Because I, I would definitely say, like, Elliot and maybe Janet. Who is your third? I would say Elliot, Janet, and Julia. Mm, okay. Oh, and by the way, um, Janet, Margot, same thing for those of you who haven't read the books. All of them, though, later on in the series, like, yeah. A lot of people don't find that out about them until they really, really discover themselves. So all past discovering themselves, I feel like they are. So give me your arguments for each of those. Well, I mean, we we'd covered Elliot I, already. But. I feel like I can't because there's <laughs> too many spoilers there. Okay, for, okay, that's fair. For their future, 
their future selves. I do feel like, though, I, I haven't really thought about this before, but I do think that I'll make an argument for Julia that I think once she discovers magic, the way that she talks about it in this episode, right, like, there really is nothing else for her. So Magic she, is her soulmate. Right. So she might not have been aromantic before that, but I think there's a That's decent what I chance. Mean. Yeah, I think there's a decent chance afterward that she becomes aromantic, that she ceases to have romantic feelings. Well, um, I mean... Magic and Julia yeah. is definitely the OTP. <laughs> Either that or Julia and... and everyone can ponder that beep, one. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, and of course, you know, I mean, you know that my absolute favorite OTP is Quentin and Happiness. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, but <laughs> I feel like... Quentin Not going to happen. And contentness, because when you're... Clinically depressed, I mean, is happiness truly attainable? That's true. It's still my OTP. I want him to be happy yeah. so badly. <laughs> we, I would love that, but <laughs> contentness will settle for. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, mm, I feel like people are probably going get to get hints of Janet being aromantic, even already. But yeah, we probably shouldn't say much more. I think there's a lot of spoilers there, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but with coming back to Elliot being a romantic, we interviewed Love Grossman last year, and I think people should check that out. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I asked him about it, and he seemed to agree with me for the most part. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can pull the audio of that and, and put it up um, maybe later in the week. Um, okay, so let's see. Other favorite moments. This is a really, really silly one, but um, I just, I mean... I think it's a beautiful moment for anyone who's a fan of Harry Potter. I'll just play the clip. Avada Kedavra. Whatever, Elliot. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously... Why did you cut out the bitches part? Yeah, I think Netflix cut that out because I recorded that directly and it was not in there. Rude. Very rude, definitely. I thought Netflix totally had the uncensored version, too. I thought so, too. I'm not sure. Maybe they were, like, two seconds too many. (laughs) I don't know. Because they usually, like, what they do on Netflix is they usually just do whatever is on the Blu-ray or DVD copies and then release that. The other thing I noticed, though, was in in the previously on that they cut out so Dean Fogg says, do some magic instead of do some goddamn magic, which yeah, you doesn't see really... previously on because those yeah. are made directly from like. The oh, that's TV. true. Like, Except for that you it, would think that, right, like, I mean, they played do some goddamn magic in the episode when it aired on sci-fi. So I don't know. I don't this, know. There's some weird shenanigans going on there. But it just, like, <laughs> I found that so ridiculous because it does not have the same effect. Do some magic and do some goddamn magic are very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> I just, now whenever I think of that scene, the do some goddamn magic, I honestly just think of that meme that Maddie made where he's like, such magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um yeah, so one of the things I didn't notice so far in the rewatch, um, but is definitely true in the show, for those of you watching, um, you will notice that in the show, they, they sort of say the very beginning of fuck every single time they say it. So it's like, <laughs> Well, it um, depends on which way you're watching it. 
if you're watching it on Netflix, it definitely says the F word. Yeah, but like if you watched it on Sci Fi, then you would have yeah, noticed if, that. If you watched it live and have not rewatched it, yeah. <laughs> we were all very concerned. We're like, we even tried messaging like everybody. They're like, is the bleeped version going to be available eventually? Or like the unbleeped. And they were just like, we don't know yet. And then it did. And then like the like the biggest news was just like, it's uncensored now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have one more quote, one more clip that I wanted to play, which is just, um, you know, the meat of this episode is about the um, investigation of the beast's attack. Um, and I think there's this really fun scene where um, Professor Pearl is just, like, trying to get information from everybody. Uh, and it's just one of these great little, like, supercuts. So I'm going to play it now. Oh, we never got near the mirror, I, I swear. We were studying. That's all. What language even is this? <laughs> Yes, I mean, sure, I touched it, but we all touched it. I mean, I touched, uh, uh, we're studying, so. Look, I'm just trying to make sense of this. There's residue all over this book, including a summoning. We believe opened the door to the beast. What did you say? Nothing. I... Don't look at me. Look, I know they're your friends. Okay, at this point, I just have to assume it was all of you. Yeah, well, it wasn't. Shut up, and I'll tell you. Happily. It's fine, let's go. You're welcome, by the way. What does that mean? Quentin, can I see you, please? Alice, you're free to go. There's nothing I can do in this moment to stop the comet from crashing into the earth, is there? Yeah, so I mean, I like that for a lot of reasons. And I think it's uh, one thing I'm realizing as I listen to that is we haven't really talked about anybody except for Quentin and Elliot in this entire episode so far. Because they truly are the only ones that really matter in that episode. <laughs> I mean, it is, like, their relationship is really amazing. But one thing that I remember observing when I was watching this the second time is, I think, I think Jade Taylor, who plays Katie, I think she does an amazing job in this episode. Her delivery of everything is so natural. She seems really to inhabit the character, um, in an impressive way, given that she's only had the character for, like, an hour. Yeah. Also, you know, she wasn't supposed to be in the episodes anymore, so that really speaks volumes about the actress herself. Yeah, she's got a lot of ability, and it really it really shows. There's that scene um, where she and Penny are talking, because Penny has, like, decided that he's going he's gonna to fuss out of break bills, um, he's going to take off because he feels, you mentioned this in the last episode, he feels betrayed by the Beast, that he sort of always had the Beast's voice in his head and thought that it was his friend, and then it, like, tries to kill him and all his friends. Yes. And, like, when he and Katie are talking, she's just, I don't know, I just felt like she was so natural and so genuine in those moments and telling him, like, calling him on his shit and being like, whatever, Penny. And I was just, I was super impressed. Yes, I think we should all aspire to call men out on their bullshit more. 
Yes, that is definitely <laughs> the lesson we should learn from that. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Katie. Thanks, Jade Taylor. <laughs> please come on the show. <laughs> yes, please come on the show. Yeah, though, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think she's, she really, and in, in the last episode too, right? Like we talked about the like, what's your damage, Pacey, or whatever it was. Line. Yeah. She's really, really good at just being like, ugh, Penny, you're being dumb. <laughs> Stop. I know. I, I really should learn from her in my current exploits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's never a bad idea to take advice from a master. Though also, yeah. maybe you shouldn't learn from like everything she does because she's got it's some true. sketchy stuff going on in this episode it's too. true. I mean, they have the uh, evil Katie reveal. Yeah, evil Katie, um, who's secretly Or I should working. say reluctantly evil Katie. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll get into that later when we actually find out why yeah, that's she's true. doing what she's doing. I think, in a lot of ways, though, that scene is really more about the evil Marina reveal, right? Yeah. earlier in the episode, when you're just seeing Marina and Julia interact, it's like, Marina's devious and she can lie, but she seems kind of fun. She's fun. I think people definitely like her character a little more than they should, but... Well, I mean, there's a difference between liking... Well, and also, I think there's a difference between, like, liking the character because you think that they're, like, a good person and liking the character because you think they're an interesting character. That's true. I mean, it's just, like, this habit that I've seen, especially online, of defending her actions, which... Yeah, which maybe you shouldn't be defending. She's kind of awful. It's like... Oh, like, I mean, just going back to the ever-annoying thing of everyone hating Quentin, but yet somehow loving these other really fucked-up characters. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely... Marina definitely has plenty of issues. I think people just try to defend her, and then they use, like, that one specific moment that I won't get into at the end. spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Make up for everything. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about this more when that moment comes, but I think, like, I think her one redeeming moment isn't really so much redeeming as it is, like, her being a basically decent human being one time. It's not really something special that she should, like, get a gold star for. Exactly. But it, it all comes down to her clearly being very uh, jealous of Julia, and then I think eventually realizing that she has no reason to be jealous now. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about Katie, we talked about Marina. Um, we should talk more about Penny, because, well, one, we love, we love Penny, we love Arjun. Come on the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what did you think about him in the show, in this episode? I'm trying to remember his moment. I actually, like, he pissed me off in this episode a lot, though. Yeah? Why is that? Because he's such a dick to Quentin for no reason. Oh, it is true. It's so annoying, like... Yeah, of course Quentin wants to fucking fight you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you, like, basically tried to ruin his life. Sacrifice him. In turn for what, too? It's like... Yeah, especially it, since it, he was, was going to peace out anyway, right? Like, just, why don't you just take the blame, Penny? Exactly. And then it also comes down as just, like, I, I'm pretty sure he was trying to protect his girls, but I'm like, if they all came forward together, like, yeah. they're less likely to expel four people than just one. I, I, part of me wonders, so there, there's two things. One, I liked what you said about him protecting his girls, because we talked about this last episode, but from the very beginning, he is friendly and protective and of Alice. He, like, really defends her. And at this point, they don't have any relationship, right? Like No. 
I so, think they just have like a like a spiritual connection yeah. that they probably aren't aware of yet, but they they are very similar. They're very similar minded. Yeah. I and I, I think that really like I think it is really cool and fascinating and, and revealing that he he only throws Quentin under the bus, right? It's not like he's just saving Katie who he has a relationship with. He's also saving Alice. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting. Um, I agree with you. I think Penny's kind of a dick in this episode. And I think that's sort of the point, right? Like, he has this chip on his shoulder and he needs to get over it, but he's not there yet. I love his his speech with, with Katie and about the beast and, and that. Yeah. So I did love that moment. Yeah. So how about Margot and Alice? Because you mentioned that you really liked their moments together. I mean, there aren't many... <laughs> you just can't help but not coming come out of that episode like shipping them at least a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm especially because like Margot is so clearly like bisexual. Oh yeah. Not not really sure about about Alice. I think Alice is. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's hard to get a grasp on Alice's sexuality. She never really has any like outwardly gay moments. Like Yeah, that's true. Everybody else does, but she doesn't. Yeah. But I think there are those great moments like you mentioned where like when they're sitting on the bed together, I remember <laughs> the thing that struck me the first time I watched this and I I'd forgotten about it and then I remembered again when I saw it where Jen, or sorry, where Margot says to her like, "Oh, I just want to be your friend." And Alice turns to her and she goes, "I don't believe you." <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love their antagonistic friendship. Yes. It, it doesn't come Very out malice. as much in the show, um, unfortunately, but maybe we'll get that eventually. But, yeah, I think we probably will. There, there are some definite moments. And I think one thing that I think comes out more in the show is, is that for Janet, it really is friendship. In the books, I think you're, since you're seeing it mostly from... Quentin's perspective and Quentin is closer to Alice than he is to, to Janet. I think in well, the books you see a lot more of um, antagonism from Janet toward Alice, even though Quentin is kind of clueless about that. I don't know. If that's something we should come back to. <laughs> He's just a, f- Oh, Quentin is kind of a fuck boy in the first book. And we can all admit that. Um, He's just clueless, but like yes. most men at that age, they're not even men yet. They are clueless as fuck. Yeah, I think we forget just how young he is. So, right, like, oh, and that's something we haven't mentioned that yet. So, in the TV show, they're in graduate school, but in the books, it's it's college and just straight out of high school, college. Well, and Quentin gets whisked out of like the middle of his fall semester of his yeah, he doesn't even graduate. No, he doesn't graduate. He just like goes and takes a test, and then he's like, "Ha ha, I'm here. I'm cool." Probably still 17, which is not, yep. not a becoming age on most men. So, No. I mean, most people, to be honest, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Quentin is really, really young and naive, and I think a lot of his character in the books really comes down to that, in, in the first book, rather, comes down to that, that he just doesn't know what he's doing at all. He doesn't know how to be a human. Well, that in the books, too, it's a five-year Yeah, degree. that's right. Kind of like an engineering degree. <laughs> and 
which it is complicated ass science, which is what magic is. Um, uh, and then in the TV show, it's three years, and they're never really like they never really point out what year like Margot and Elliot are supposed to be in. Are they going to be graduating or are they like second years? Well, okay, I don't want to give spoilers about what happens uh, later in the season, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I haven't been keeping up with the gossip as much as you have, I don't think. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's. Uh, I think we've covered most of the characters, so let's turn to fashion. I don't know what you noticed. Here's some things I picked up on vests again. Penny gets a vest, Elliot gets a vest, everybody gets a vest. Um, Elliot, Elliot's perfect, as always. His oh, fashion is impeccable. And I think Maddie was pointing out that he's usually wearing that, like, B pin. And I noticed it in this episode. And it's a it is, prefect pin. It's, oh, is it? I'm pretty sure they talk about prefect pins in the books. And uh. it was a B. So I'm going to assume that that's what it is. And it's just a call out to that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. But it it's perfect. And he wears it beautifully. And I love that he's wearing this, like, Basically, like, every part of a three-piece suit except for the jacket. And instead of the jacket, he's wearing this, like... Cardigan? Yeah, this cardigan that, like, looks like it's a school uniform cardigan. Then you get Elliot... I mean, uh, Quentin and Julia's, like, hipster grunge. Yeah, hipster grunge. That they love to sport so much. I don't even know that I would say that Quentin is wearing, like, hipster grunge. Because he's basically just wearing, like, a V-neck sweater and some jeans and being kind of pathetic. Well, at the end, he's wearing... A regular like crew neck sweater that he looks beautiful in because well, it's raining beautiful. and he looks like a little puppy. And... He looks like such a puppy. <laughs> the long um, hair and the puppy eyes and the puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Sad puppy, but he's a puppy. Do you think Jason uh, studies his dogs for those looks? Probably. <laughs> uh, Jason has beautiful dogs, by the way. If you haven't seen them, check out his Instagram. It's, what is it, the Ralph Nahans? Something like that. They, their dogs have an Instagram. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, it yeah, it, it's all dogs. I don't think they have humans on that Instagram. Unless the humans happen to be, like, taking a picture with the dogs. That's true. Selfies with dog, that might happen. There were also, so yeah, like, Penny and Elliot both had vests. Um, there were some really interesting dresses in this episode some really good ones so professor pearl is wearing this like gorgeous structured black and navy blue dress that has this like high neck but then like kind of a lower neck line underneath it and i was obsessed with it and when i paused the episode to like take a look at that dress in more detail i noticed something that i hadn't noticed at all in the first episode and i wonder if you notice so you'll have to tell me that behind her is just like 500 pictures of cats. I have not noticed that. Yeah, I think you need to go back and watch it because... Now I need to watch that, but that's so Umbridge-like that that freaks me out a little bit. I know. I thought the same thing, that it's, like, very Umbridge-like, but also, like, she's nothing like Umbridge. Yeah, not at all. And so I kind of just wondered if she was, like, a, a different type of cat lady. And you'll see. I mean, it's it's not, like, it's not like the plates of cats, like, in Umbridge's office, she has like three framed pictures of different cats, which makes me think that she has at least three cats. She must. But <laughs> while while we're talking about Professor Pearl, mm-hmm. I have to point out to everybody if they haven't noticed this already, 
but she is one of the white chicks from White Chicks, and every time I see her, I can't ever not think about that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, but uh, I can imagine. I know something about what it's about, and I can imagine that, that would be distracting. You haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen White Chicks. You need to watch White Chicks, but I'm sure most of the people listening to this is, have probably seen White Chicks since it's such a movie. But at least, especially my age range generation. <laughs> but but we'll, we'll uh, I just want to kill that for everybody if they haven't noticed it already. <laughs> yeah, please think of nothing else. You can't unsee things. That was also one of the morals of this episode. <laughs> Um, okay, so the other dress I really like, well, I don't even know if it was a dress, but, like, Marina is in, like, full goth mode. She has, like, black lace and black leather and a choker the entire time. She looks like she walked straight out of the craft. I love it, but I also think her makeup's a little over the top, but... That's true. Other than that, like, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, things that I thought were awful fashion-wise. Eliza looks like a flight attendant. She's wearing some, like, fancy silk scarf that is tied like flight attendant scarf over it's so like stereotypical like british but but done up by people that actually don't know anything yes that's exactly it it's like i don't know what a british person does but this looks like what i think a british person does exactly (laughs) yeah um so that was i I was not thrilled with her with her uh outfit but also it was kind of fun to watch um and also what the hell is going on with Penny's jeans? Did you see his jeans in this episode? I might have blinked them out because they were so ugly. They're like the most foul, disgusting pair of jeans you've ever seen. They have like all sorts of, um, you know, they have that wa- that like really spotty wash where there's like a bunch of white patches. But they're also super skinny jeans, which I feel like are not really Penny's look for the most part. No, 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 no. Penny's look is definitely skinny jeans. But, but you have to see them. They're like they're like <laughs> women's skinny jeans, the way that they fit. It's very strange. I feel like they couldn't make up their mind about the way they wanted Penny to dress for quite a few episodes, but then like after that it got like really solid. Arjun, when we talked to him, do you remember this? He he was saying that they like planted things in his outfits in every episode that were sort of like hints or clues about his character. Yeah, I remember that. He, like, was, like, super excited to talk about it, and we were like, oh, we haven't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) And then he wouldn't tell us either. Yeah. So, I I don't know, I guess we have to pay closer attention to that (laughs) next time. I'm going to have to rewatch this show at least half a dozen times. Yeah, me too. But, you know, that's why why we're here, because we love doing that. (laughs) A pause, like, a really good fashion choice that you didn't point out was... Margot at the very end of the episode oh, yeah. with, her, with her little parasol in the rain. And, and that gorgeous blue top. Yes. And, and also in that scene, I don't know if I would say it's good or bad. It's just, it, it's just, it exists. Elliot and I shorts. love that scene. They look like they're like barbecuing like in the rain at the Hamptons or yes. something. Like <laughs> summering at the Hamptons. Yeah, I think, I, I think that scene is really great. Also, it's just nice to see. I mean, right, like that scene is about... Quentin is okay, he's safe, he's got friends, like, welcome back to the fold. It's, it's really nice. It is. It's, it's a brief good. moment of Quentin and happiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else for fashion, or is that it? That's it. Okay, so then let's, let's go on. Like, any final observations you had about this episode before we um, do our MVPs and ratings? Did we ever talk about the, the cameo? 
I, we mentioned it very briefly. You mean Love's cameo? Yeah. So do you want to do you want to tell everyone about that in a little more detail? Well, Love has this beautiful cameo where he's a fillery expert <laughs> talking about fillery in a video when when uh, Quentin is showing it to Alice so she can understand what fillery is. <laughs> and his name is Dev for one. Oh, I I didn't even look at the name. I didn't even notice that. That's yeah, cool. his name's Dev and I just I crack up every time. <laughs> And my friend actually recently binge-watched the whole show, uh-huh. my best friend, because she, you know, she just was waiting for it to drop on Netflix like everybody else. And <laughs> and she, like, saw him, knew it was him right away, because she's like, hey, you met him, so I recognize his face. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really liked that. I think everyone, all of the, like, total book nerds really got a kick out of that. I lo- I mean, I always love author cameos. yeah. Like, I mean, I love when we've talked to him, he is so, I mean, it, you know, he obviously has, like, complicated feelings about the show because adaptations are, are hard on authors, but it's so clear that he really, he just loves the shit out of the fact that it's happening, and he's really excited to be part of it. Yeah, he's really excited that they involve him yeah. to the extent that they do. So I feel like the cameo is that, too. He, he feels, you know, that was him getting to, like, be an excited geek about the fact that a book that he wrote turned into a yeah. show. There was two other small moments that I that I liked a lot. Um, yeah. Which is Elliot, you know, showing his beautiful bar for the first time because he's such an alcoholic. Oh. And um, his signature cocktail that he likes to talk about, which you can apparently make because uh, Sci-Fi dropped the recipe on that. Yeah, they have a whole the videos for, like, uh, special Like all the drinks all for them. the main characters. Yeah. yeah. So definitely go check that out on the sci-fi website if you haven't already. Definitely do that. And then the other moment is is Julia getting her first Hedgewitch tattoo. Oh, yeah. I liked that, too. I noticed this time that she was drinking while she was getting it, which is a good choice. Yeah. Please don't drink and get tattoos because yeah. you will bleed a lot. And <laughs> um, you just got a new tattoo, right? Yes, I did. Do you want to share anything about that or no? I can cut it out if you say no. So. Sure. Uh I, I got a Just Keep Swimming, which, you know, it's Pixar, you know, you got that yeah, Finding Dory slash Finding Nemo, but I didn't get it just because of that. I love that character, but just the whole idea of Just Keep Swimming is, is kind of more for me, and I feel like a lot of people, like, a, a way to cope with your anxiety or depression. Yeah. And at the end of that, I got a semicolon, which is in the tattoo community, if you get a semicolon, it, it probably means that you have survived yeah. A suicide attempt. Well, I think it's a really great tattoo, and I think it's really cool that you got it one for your birthday. It was it was great. Uh, I, like, literally walked in last minute and was like, hey, do you have time for a tattoo? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And it only took 20 minutes, and it was a very nice way to end my night. Yeah. Which, by the way, everyone, it was Danny's birthday yesterday, so wish her a happy birthday. She's at Hedgewitches on Twitter. No E. Yeah, the one with the E was taken, unfortunately. Even though that's my username on Instagram. I got it with the E there. Um, Okay, so that was all your, those were all your, like, moments that you wanted to catch? Oh, a funny thing is, whenever, now whenever I tell people that time is an illusion, I have to say it the way that Elliot says it. Time is an illusion. (laughs) I really like that, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I have any any final observations that we haven't discussed. Just to say again how how much I love this episode for especially the relationship between Elliot and Quentin that develops. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's enough of it on the show, but yeah. at least we have that episode. Okay, so who is your MVP this episode? Um, Hale Appleman's hair is the MVP. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh uh, I, 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 okay, so uh, real talk, I agree with you. I feel like I have to disagree with you just to have a, a different opinion. I think uh, it's Elliot in general, though. I mean, not just, yeah, uh, no, I, <laughs> not I, just the hair. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But I, I mean, I agree. I think Elliot is fantastic in this episode. But I was also, even though her part is much smaller, I was so impressed by, by Jade Taylor as Katie in this episode. Um, and I just sort of want to put out th- put that out there because I think she did an amazing job and stood out in an episode where she she didn't really get that much material. So I think that's impressive. That's um, true. She definitely did, but Elliot, like all of his, I know. his lines in the the episode, they're just too good. I so know. Too like good I said, real talk, real talk. I cannot I can't disagree. It's absolutely Elliot. But also, Katie was great. <laughs> so. I I feel like maybe we should just be runner up is. Is Jade's Yeah, special. okay, I'm cool with that. So Hale Appleman is Elliot in first place, MVP, and runner-up Jade Taylor is Katie. Yes. I'm cool with that. I'm down. All right, um, rate the episode. I'm going to go with a 6.5 out of 10. Oh. So, yeah, you didn't like this one as much. I really, like, there's so much of it that's just such filler that I just can't forgive it for that. Oh, I can understand that. I think it was a little bit higher for me. I think it was probably like a seven and a half out of 10. And it's just cause I, I mean, I, I feel so strongly and so positively about all of that stuff between Quentin and Elliot. I mean, when I first watched the episode, it was probably more closer to like an eight out of 10, but now mm. that I've rewatched the episode so many times. <laughs> yeah. With a more critical I'm eye. So bored of <laughs> some of the storylines that it's just like, it's like, okay. Well, and it's true. I mean, like, the main the storyline between Quentin and Elliot or just between like the physical kids in general is really great but i agree with you that like Julia's story just doesn't really stand out and yeah. given that it's like half the episode that is a flaw and that it doesn't ever happen in the books <laughs> uh, you're an originalist a purist i i am to an extent like if you can take something and make it better i'm not going to complain but you didn't make it better so <laughs> not so not for this particular episode anyway yeah not for this particular episode <laughs> we'll keep an open mind yeah <laughs> so that is everything for this week's show for episode two uh, i just want to give a quick shout out to follow us on twitter our group handle is at house at muir um and if you don't know what that means then you really really need to read the books So, yeah, give us a follow, and we'll have another episode for you soon. All right, bye. Bye.